Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast, where we talk about mostly Taoist-related literature and how it relates to recovery. If you look back through our episodes, we've uh, covered all 81 chapters of the Tao Te Ching. Now we're talking about uh, some of Chongsa's writings, who was a student of Lao Tzu or Lao Tzu. I seem to have less syllables in my words when I run those together, so... Any, I know next week we're going to have, oh, I want to welcome Tina and Marla and Craig and Rob and Derek. I almost said Pixel for you, Rob. Rob and Derek. Any, uh, I know next week we have Sensei Elliston coming again, and we're going to uh, be talking about the first chapter of the Tao Te Ching. So I know y'all are posting in our Facebook group your um, questions for. Sensei, he wants those up front so he can contemplate them a little before he comes. So I'm going to be sending them to him probably tomorrow. So uh, anything with that we need to discuss or, or is everybody good with what's going on with that? Did you post where to make a donation? Yes, it's in. Yes. It's in the messenger. Uh, I posted it in all the group notes in the in the podcast notes. Uh, there is a link to a meditation teaching by Sensei on his website, and on the bottom of that is a donate link. So I can I can actually post a donate link if we need to. I can do that too, Marla. So, if there's um, if there's anybody got any questions for Sensei, if you post it to the Facebook page, anybody that's listening, post it to the Facebook page as well. Um, sure. Yeah. Any any listeners we have that want to join our Facebook group, it's Dial of Our Understanding. And if you if you act really nice, Craig will let you in. If you say nice things about Scotland, for sure. It's just like I did for Jill and Denise this week. So welcome, Jill and Denise. I actually oh, know Jill from, cool. from the Cafe RE. Um, it wasn't until her name popped up. I thought, I know that name. And then she, she posted. So um, Good, good. Not a lot of activity in that group yet, but we're getting there, you know. We'll talk about anything we talk about in the Taoist related uh, to recovery or out of this podcast that we want to continue the conversation, that's a good place to do it. Welcome, Zach. Hey, yeah. Got a break from the children's yeah. moment. If you haven't got a chance to listen to the, the podcast Zach and I did this week, we recorded that yesterday. That uh, that had some good stuff in it, I think. So I listened to it last night. It was a great conversation, Zach. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Little boy. Yeah. Keep you busy. Did it, did it come Plenty. out with a head of black hair? The beard. Uh, <laughs> he had he had some hair, which was way more than the other two did. So the other ones were bald. And they've got big old curly hair. Two <laughs> little girls, cute little girls. Anyways, yeah, congratulations! That's great. So if we're good with sensei, then. Cutting up an ox. Who would like to read this for us? 
I'll read it if you will, if you want. Thank you, ma'am. All right. I can't promise I'll pronounce the Chinese names correctly. Um, Prince Wen Hui's, Hui's cook was cutting up an ox. Out went a hand, down went a shoulder. He planted a foot. He pressed with a knee. The ox fell apart with a whisper. The bright cleaver murmured like a gentle wind. Rhythm, timing, like a sacred dance, like the mulberry grove, like ancient harmonies. Good work, the prince exclaimed. Your method is faultless. Method, said the cook, laying aside his cleaver. What I follow is Tao, beyond all methods. When I first began to cut up oxen, I would see before me the whole ox all in one mass. After three years, I no longer saw this mass. I saw the distinctions. But now I see nothing with the eye. My whole being apprehends. My senses are idle. The spirit, free to work without a plan, follows its own instinct, guided by natural line, by the secret opening, the hidden space. My cleaver finds its own way. I cut through no joint, chop no bone. A good cook needs a new chopper once a year, he cuts. A poor cook needs a new one every month, he hacks. I have the same cleaver 19 years. It has cut up a thousand oxen. Its edge is as keen as if newly sharpened. There are spaces in the joints. The blade is thin and keen. When this thinness finds that space, there is all the room you need. It goes like a breeze. Hence, I, ha I have this cleaver 19 years as if newly sharpened. True, there are sometimes tough joints. I feel them coming. I slow down. I watch closely, hold back, barely move the blade, surrender, and whomp, the part falls away, landing like a clod on the earth. Then I withdraw the blade. I stand still and let the joy of the work sink in. I clean the blade and put it away. Prince said, this is it. My cook has shown me how I ought to live my own life. <laughs> it's all about surrender. It is, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Any other comments? I've read surrender and consistency. Yes. Consistent and consistent with um, just just the way he was talking. You know, I see things as I see things as the big picture, and then after a little while, I, I see things as as it is. Uh, I, I could kind of liken that to my recovery, but definitely the the the, 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 um, the the consistency part. I think as long as I'm consistent in what I'm doing, I'm going to get better at what I'm doing. And I'm going to benefit from what I'm doing as well, and other people will benefit as well. So, if you if you want to analogize it to to the guy cutting up the ops, um, he's going to get that good at doing his job. He's not going to get bones and gristle and fat and lumpy bits in his his meat. He's just going to have the meat of the the meat of the beast. And I think it's going to be the same with recovery as well. If I'm consistent with my program, rather than just bumbling along like I used to do, and then I think I'm just going to start to see start to see the benefits of the program rather than just just my, my perceptions of the program. Mm -hmm. I also think there's something, you know, it's asking us to look at, look at it and look at the universe as a whole also, instead of taking it apart and separating people and 
um, in, in that there's a surrender, you know? I was thinking Wu Wei. Yeah, the balance, absolutely. I was thinking about the effortless effort that, that over time he gained, that he did not have at first, and that over time he went beyond method. I'm, he started with a method, I'm sure. He did, yeah. And then, then, he, how it, then he became free to work without a plan. Yeah, you know, he became and he, egoless. he became unattached, detached, and egoless. At first, he saw the ox as one, as a mass. He saw the whole ox. And then after three years, it says, he saw the distinction, so he saw the smaller parts. And then he stepped back and saw nothing. Yes. Is it, am, I, am I seeing that? It didn't say he stepped back, but now he sees nothing. Right. How does that happen? I see nothing with the eye. My whole being apprehends. My senses are idle. In other words, the self-effort. Self-effort. The spirit, free to work without plan, follows its own instinct. Nature, the rules of nature. My cleaver finds its own way. Huh. I see that as following the rules of nature. Um, I've got another translation of this from Guy Fu Fang and Jane English. <laughs> and I'm just going to pick a couple of things out of this that they said instead of reading the whole. All's in perfect rhythm, just like the dance of the Mulberry Grove are a part in a symphony. Just everything's in rhythm. Uh the prince told him that how wonderfully you have mastered your art. And the cook laid down his knife and said, what your servant really cares for is Tao, which goes beyond mere art. Which Tao, the more I study that, the more I, correct me if y'all have seen something different, but, you know, it's Tao Te Ching. The Tao is just the path. So it could be any path. It does it's not, the Tao part is not, from what I understand, the spiritual part or the virtuous part is they, that's the virtue of the path. So you could have, you know, the road to town's the Tao to town. You know, it could be that, you know, non-spiritual. But uh, this is the path to virtue is what I think it's saying. So when we see, see that phrase, he says, I now work with my spirit, not with my eyes. My senses stop functioning and my spirit takes over. I follow the natural grain, letting the knife find its way through the many hidden openings, taking advantage of what is there, never touching a ligament or tendon, much less a main joint. When I come into difficulty, this is on down toward the end. When I come into difficulty, I size up the joint, look carefully, keep my eyes on what I'm doing and work slowly. Then, with a very slight movement of the knife, I cut the whole ox wide open. And that's supposed to be the secret of growth. When he sees difficulty, he slows down. Just like on this, it says, on our translation, it says, uh, I stand still, yeah, I slow down, I watch closely, I hold back. 
and barely moves a blade. Yeah, but I don't push. I hold back. I don't push forward. And things just happen. Well, that, that's the whole idea that we're, we're really in our way. <laughs> we are. My dad always told me that. You are, he's like, you just, you're in your own way. Get out yeah, of your way. That's what this is talking about. <laughs> Isn't that the dumbest fucking thing? We're really just in our own way. Uh, I think this is an example of how, you know, I, I get asked quite often about Wu Wei and effortless effort and what that means. and. How can you have effort without effort? I said, no, it's not effort without effort. It's effort in an effortless way, which is an effort without push, without force, without striving. I've got a quote on Wu Wei from uh, Jonathan Starr, the definitive edition. If you have that book, it's on page 257. The following quotation from the 13th century Indian saint uh, Janeshwar beautifully explicates the Chinese concept of Wu Wei. Action is the natural activity which makes possible the manifestation of the universe. First, First, understanding this thoroughly, when the sun rises and sets, it seems to move, although it actually although it is actually motionless. In the same way, realize that freedom from action lies in action. Such a person seems like other people, but he is not affected by human nature like the sun, which cannot be drowned in water. He's saying the action of the sun is like effortless effort. It's like action that's not action. He sees the world without seeing it, does everything without doing it, enjoys all the pleasures without being involved in them. Though he's seated in one place, he travels everywhere, for even while in this body he has become the universe, the walking of his feet, the speaking of his mouth, and all his other actions are the supreme moving through him. Furthermore, he sees the whole universe is no different from himself. Then how can action affect him? He is free in every way. And even though he acts, he is free from action. Though he possesses attributes, he's beyond attributes. There is no doubt about this. Any comments, guys? I looked up Wu Wei throughout the Tao Te Ching before this meeting just to see. This this is a real applicable, I found the 48th verse as being pretty applicable to this. In pursuit of knowledge, every day something's added. In the practice of the Tao, every day something is dropped. Less and less do you need to force things until finally you arrive at non-action. When nothing is done, nothing is left undone. True mastery can be gained by letting things go their own way. It can't be gained by interfering. That's uh, Stephen Mitchell's translation mm-hmm. of the 48th chapter. It's the way of nature. You just yeah. Go with the way of nature. Stop, we, stop fighting against nature. And things will all work out, <clears throat> maybe. Can you read that very last part again? Less and less you need to force things? Yeah. Um, I'll read the whole thing again in short. 
in pursuit of knowledge every day, something's added in the practice of the Tao. Every day, something is dropped. Less and less do you need to force things until finally you arrive at non-action. When nothing is done, nothing is left undone. True mastery can be gained by letting things go their own way. It can't be gained by interfering. Yeah, <clears throat> I like that. I, I like the part, the, the less, less and less you need to force things. Uh, it ties in with kind of what you were saying about the um, earlier uh, about how, where, where is it? When I first began to cut up oxen, I would see before me the whole ox all in one mass. After three years, I no longer saw this mass. I saw the distinctions. Yeah. Um, I, the thing I like about this verse that, that gives me some comfort is uh, that it kind of really does lay out the fact that it is a process for this guy. He didn't just show up one day with, you know, Wu Wei and effortless effort, but he did, he did start a process, you know, he, uh, and he, he paid attention to what he was doing. He saw that there were distinctions and after having studied the distinctions, he can he comes back around to there being no distinctions. I see nothing with my eye; my whole being apprehends. It's a different way of of seeing and understanding. But you don't you don't start there. You never start there. You can't start there. You know what I mean? And um, to to me, that is that is comforting because the question that we're always asking is, well, how do you do this? How do you get it to, how do you get there? How do you make it work? How do you know when you're there? I don't know. And uh, at least, at least for this guy and the verse, you know, the, the Tao, the Tao verse you just read, you know, um, less and less. Um, Every day something's added every day something's taken away. It's not, it's not the same thing every day. Every day, it's something different. Every day you're figuring it out. And, uh, you know, there's never just the answer. It's always working out the process, you know? You know, and it's interesting, Zach, it says in the pursuit of knowledge, every day something's added in the, in the practice of the Tao. You're pursuing knowledge. You're practicing Tao. You're not yep. pursuing Tao. You're practicing Tao. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't just like, he just he doesn't just walk into the shop and see the oxen laying there and uh, on day one and, uh, you know, start hacking away at it. He, uh, he, he studied it. He learned it. He, he paid attention to it. And it's interesting how this verse talks about this pursuit of knowledge versus you know, you pursue knowledge, you add, you practice the Tao, something is dropped. And as you drop more and more, then the less and less you need to force things until finally you can arrive at no forcing, <laughs> no striving, no disturbance. Just think how much of your, I mean, if you're like me, the amount of ease I have in life now compared to how it used to be is just unbelievable. The difference. Um, I used to be constantly 
with anger just under the surface all the time. I was disturbed continually. And this is really, you could say a life of non-disturbance really is how you could, you could word that because that really is the path that we're looking for is a life of non-disturbance. Um, and that comes from, for me, it just comes from this, uh, well, it says it there, true mastery can be gained by letting things go. Mm-hmm. Go their own way, sure, but letting it go. It can't be gained by interfering. Cannot be. Yeah. I like, I also like where he says, he talks about the, uh, the hard parts, you know, true. There are sometimes tough joints, you know, there's there, the hard, the things that are difficult to do, you know, he said, you, you feel it coming. You, you, you know that you're in a hard season, a hard time, difficult time. And, uh, you know, the, the gut reaction is to, to bear down and barrel through it and make everything work the way it's supposed to and just get it done. And what he's saying is, you know, when I feel those, those hard joints, those tough joints coming, slow down even more, you know, uh, watch closely, hold back. Be aware, uh, right? Yeah. It was like the, uh, you know, whatever the, you know, who, the, the thing you like to quote all the time, whoever the guy was that, you know, uh, he was so busy, he had to meditate two hours. Oh, Gandhi, yeah. One, yeah. Yeah, my Gandhi quote. I get to quote it again? Can I yeah. say it again, Zach? <laughs> yeah, why not? I'm so, thank you. I'm so busy, maybe I need to meditate two hours today instead of one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that attributed to Gandhi? It, it, well, it said different, a little different. It says, I have so much to do today. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe I should meditate two hours rather than one hour. I think yeah. something like that, but that's the gist of it. Oh, Tina, you're muted. I think it, I think it goes, um, I don't have time. I don't, I don't have an hour to meditate today. Um, well then some, then someone says, well, then you should do two. There you go. I okay. found it. Yeah. That, yeah. I've heard that one. Any of those work. That's why I didn't try to quote it. <laughs> I knew I didn't have it right. I have so much to accomplish today that I must meditate for two hours instead of one. Um, to the Huff, Huffington Post. So. <laughs> and Gandhi. Yeah, and Gandhi, yeah. One in the same. But, you know, you've got to remember, too, this is all to do with his work. It is not sitting on the couch watching Friends reruns, you know. What? It's not why. You know, it's not Netflix binging and then wonder why life is not working for me. You know, can't you couch potato <laughs> binge Netflix? You know I what know. I'm saying. This is still about effort. And you, yeah, and and showing up also. Showing up. So. What I when I first read it, I whenever we sat down, I looked it up and I just kind of skimmed it and I was like, "Ooh, this one looks gross. I'm probably not going to like it because all I saw was the details of the cutting of the animal." And I thought, "Well, I'm sure there's something to it." So when I heard Mala read it, obviously in its entirety, it's how things should should be read, not skimmed over before class quickly like I used to live my life. Um, it it 
it is, it's really beautiful the way it flows. And what I couldn't help relate it to was when I worked for Chrysler and I worked, um, I worked there and went to college and I worked on the line and I often refer to that time in my life uh, as a soul sucking part of my life, doing the line work, the monotony of building a car every 42 seconds. Um, You know, I, I felt like it could have really drained me until recently, I think, you know, or was that the, simpler, easier way because I, I was able to listen to audiobooks while I did that. I was just using my body to go through these motions and my mind was at least free versus being in management, um, which they asked me to be in management once I got my degree, but I didn't want that headache. I saw that because there your mind is completely, you're not working as hard with your body, but your mind is taxed. Um, but I would do my job. It would take a couple weeks. Um, I would be on a job sometimes. I think my longest one was five years and it's like, you can do it in your sleep, you know, and there's a, there's a motion and a flow to it and you could do it with, with that, with, you know, blindfolded. Um, and that's what this reminds me of cutting the ox in that effortless, movement when you know something so well and you only know it that well by practicing it over and over and over 42 um, times and however you know I think I did 59 operations on one job and like I said we built a car every 42 seconds one rolled off the line so that was a lot of movement and um, it and I you can I can look at that as as the Tao and all of the chapters practicing each one for every situation, like clockwork, almost like the steps in AA. Oh, that I need to hand it over. Oh, this, I needed to see what bothered me. Oh, this, I need to help somebody else. You know, you just, the more you, you, you quickly go to it um, and you have to keep your skills sharp because that's when your knife won't work as well. Um, And you find the resistance. So I was thinking about that. And I was also thinking about cutting a a cantaloupe. And I've sometimes for some reason, when you're, when I'm cutting a cantaloupe and, you know, or however you call it, muskmelon, when you, you chop it and then it's just like, it just seems like I do eight sections and then I have to spin it around and slice it through and you don't want the rind and you got to scoop out the thing. And then you you, once you do that, you feel, I feel like I've done so many slices and I usually do two at a time. So you get in this row, this, this thing, and you kind of know exactly where the rind is, you know, this, and you know, this, and you know, this, and as soon as you start to hit that rind, you know, you, you, you're stopped, but you kind of get a feel. And so I was thinking about that a lot. Um, and how you get into the motion. And it reminds me of working on the line, doing things like that. And how if you do what you love and you do what comes easy and you do what comes natural, then there's no force behind it. It's just easy. And that makes sense to me when they say, do what you love, the money will follow, the ease will follow. So maybe it is about doing something that comes easy and natural to you so that you have more mind space and more clarity and emptiness instead of filling it with how am I going to maneuver this? How am I going to do this? 
and um so a lot of that and then the, the cheap knife really hits home to me because i've worked with cheap knives and nice ones and it's so much easier with a nice knife um and you can dull it by hacking away at a, you know trying to cut apart a chicken my mom does it a lot easier my grandma did it a lot easier than I do because I get impatient too and then I just hack at it and you know it's horrible but grandma would just hold it and almost move the chicken a little bit until it was the right way to go through instead of force it so there was a lot of stuff that spoke to me with this one this was awesome how about this the spirit free to work without plan follows its own instinct i thought about free of uh distinctions uh free of care free of performing free of doing right free of a plan just following instincts yeah the cleaver okay. finds its own way mm -hmm. so i wanted in in yoga one of the eight limbs is pratyahara which is withdrawal of the senses and it's it's not so, i i still don't understand what it exactly means and to me to me it means um that i'm no longer feeling emotion is that does that do, do i mean does that seem like you feel the same way i guess i'm asking i don't know i don't, don't know i've never thought about that withdrawing of the senses it's yeah, a, yeah well, i don't I know it's one of the eight limbs and I try to strive for it, but I don't, I'm not really sure what I'm striving for. I know there's a balance, there's a way. And, um, maybe, maybe it's a withdrawal of, uh, selfish motivations. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of with effortless effort. It's, it's without my personal manipulation. I think that's the whole point. Okay. And, I mean, the butcher here was not manipulating the ox. He was allowing, he was cutting the ox the way that the cleaver wanted to cut it. Nothing to do with his agenda or any yeah. ulterior motive, not to impress the yeah. uh, prince, you know, none of that. You know, and then the prince learned what he needed when, when actually the, the butcher almost challenged him. Well, he did, you know, he said, your method is faultless. He said, method, said the cook, laying down his cleaver. <laughs> he said, what I follow is a Tao beyond methods, like you stupid prince, you know. <laughs> he was a stupid prince because he, he didn't know how to live, obviously, until. And he, and he learned, but he was, he was smart enough to, uh, he had enough openness to, to learn how to learn the secret of growth from from the butcher to learn from the butcher it had, you have to be open-minded yeah because he is i'm sure he's taught off his life that he's above all these workers you know but yet he learned something very valuable from the butcher so that's that's really uh, an example of what's said in that 48th verse about uh practicing the Tao rather than pursuing knowledge and i guess we could talk about in every situation the question to ask would be, am I pursuing knowledge in this situation or am I practicing the Tao? Am I leaving room? Am I leaving openness in this? 
Right. With everything. With everything. Yeah. Or have I got an agenda? Am I, you know, doing the puppeteering this? What am I doing? And that's when we leave room for things to take their own path. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I see in that. He says when he got through that he would stand still and let the joy of the work sink in. Then he cleaned his blade. He worked. He had he had to put out effort. He had to clean. Uh-huh. He didn't lay on the couch and eat Cheetos. <laughs> he had work to do. I mean, I put forth a lot of effort in some of the things that I've been doing recovery related, but it's so satisfying. Indeed. It is when, when the outcome, when you can really get to the outcome you want to get to when things have to be navigated, you know, with, with another person in your life and you have to navigate with them, you have to, you can't just always go with the flow. You have to navigate together. And that's one of the, we, we all have people in our lives that aren't involved in our recovery, you know, and then we have to, learn the balance there of, of how to involve them and what part they are there to play in our lives. Yeah, if they want to, sure. Or if they don't want to play a part in it, how, how do you deal with that? You right. know, my, my wife wants nothing to do with recovery, nothing to do with anything to do with any of this, but she does allow me to do what I want to do, which is good. Um, so you know, I, you could, you could take those situations. And for me, I could take those and work them any way I really wanted to, if I had an agenda, but I've tried to just leave the agenda out and uh, be appreciative of that because it could be much different. It could be much different. I agree. Yeah. All right. Comments. Craig, we've heard nothing from you. Do you have anything? Anything useful to add? Elton Johnson celebrating 30 years sobriety today. Who? Elton John. Sorry, Elton. Oh, Elton John. Okay. Callum calls him Uncle Elton because we play Elton John that much in the, the car and I've, I've gotten convinced that he's his uncle. Um, but just just be talking about um, my wife. My, my wife loves what I do in recovery. She doesn't understand what I do in recovery. Um, but, you know, she's, she's quite happy to let me do it because she knows where I am, she knows what I'm doing. And I think most importantly, she knows that I'm helping other people rather than just myself these days. Um, we were, I was in a meeting on Monday night and it was two o'clock, two o'clock in the morning my time and the, the, the subject was trouble. And I never thought I could get myself into trouble staying up all night talking to a bunch of drunks while I was sober. And yet I could stay up all night drinking and I'd never get into trouble. Um, but I think it's just, uh, I think, alluding to what, what we're talking about here with the chapter, I think it's talking about focus as well. Um, and when we're effortlessly focused, and I know we talk about the effortless effort, but I think effortlessly just focusing on what you're doing, you know in your mind what's the next thing to do and the next right thing to do, whether you should be doing it, whether you shouldn't be doing it. Um, am I struggling? If there's something I'm struggling with, then, you know, there's, there's people there that I need to reach out to. And it becomes second nature. I know it's incredibly difficult in early sobriety to actually pick up the phone and tell somebody that you're struggling 
but I think with this this guy's analogy to how things get easier as time go on, it becomes easier and easier to share about your feelings, talk about your vulnerabilities, share your experiences, and generally help people. My um, the, the the last thing I would ever think I was doing when I came into recovery four years ago would be helping so many people. And I don't mean that big hairy way. I mean, you know, the, the, there's a lot of people in there that we interact with on a daily basis. Um, and, you know, so, sometimes when you look at the crux of things, sometimes you're saving people's lives just by, just by you know, talking to them, just by letting, letting them talk to you. So I, th- I think going in this chapter as well, the, and the effortless effort and just, just doing the next right thing and being open-minded and just, just loving people as well. What was the chat? What was the chapter? I, I probably paid no attention to what was going on because I was kind of working at the same time as well. Chapter forty-eight. I put it in the chat. And the great thing is, there's a path of the Tao in everything. This is not just, you know, everything spiritual, Zach. Like we talked about, like you remind me of all the time, that everything is spiritual. So there is a natural flow of things in everything, not just something that we deem to be, you know, spiritual and our work is different and this is different and that's different. There's a natural flow that we can live in and practice in, in everything. So if we've got an area of our life that seems to be, that doesn't have that natural flow to it, the question to ask, I think, would be, how am I trying to push? What am I, what agenda do I have in that? And for me, it would be, the question would be, how can I introduce love into this, which is the path for me. And if I can introduce love, then maybe I can see where I'm having an agenda that I need to drop, that some way that I'm got fear involved or some kind of selfish motive or some kind of dishonesty or, or something there, some resentment, something there that's keeping me from just being in this natural flow of things. That's the real takeaway for me. So it goes back to the same question all the time. If I'm disturbed, the axiom, you know, that when I'm disturbed, there's something in me that needs to change. Just back to that again. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. Just it may be worth pointing out anyway that uh, the butcher here is not trying to teach the prince anything right. at all. He's just he's just doing his butcher job, and the prince asked him some questions, and he answered them, but he never set out to teach the prince. Is it the twelve-step Tao study of uh, being a good butcher? Yeah. Well, and but but also he like it, it goes to your point that he didn't necessarily have an agenda. You know what I mean? Right, He's not right. I'm I'm going to make this an object lesson for the prince. He uh, his concern was chopping the ox up. His concern his concern was, was not to impress the prince. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine he could be killed for trying to impress the prince. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Zach, I was thinking the same thing um, about. The beginning talks, it's the prince um, describing what he saw. And I've always said, especially with kids, um, they're going to do what we do, not what we say, not what we tell them. 
And I think I learn more by seeing someone else work a program than having someone tell me about it or reading about it. And that's when I've learned the most is in these um, everyday activities. It's when I when I first started to listen to uh, Wayne Dyer's podcast in, <laughs> in Byron Katie too. And I'm listening to these people call in with their problems. And I'm like, I have my own problems. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and hear about other people's. And I did a Byron Katie workshop one day and she went through people's problems. And I was thinking, what? <laughs> Until I realized seeing it in action and seeing it applied to any and all situations is where I learned. And the prince is watching him and, and describing it as um, like a gentle wind, rhythm, timing, like a sacred dance, like the mulberry grove, like ancient harmonies. Um, he's seeing that. He's seeing that, not being told it's like ancient harmonies. He's feeling that it's like that. So that's what I saw as well, that, that it's all just living by example, um, attraction rather than promotion. Oh, that's so good. Thank you, Tina. That's good. So what was happening was the butcher was not trying. So I'm gathering from both of y'all. The butcher was not trying to teach the prince anything. The prince was learning from the butcher's experience from watching the butcher work. There was no lesson going on. The prince chose to learn from the butcher's experience. The butcher was not teaching anything. The butcher was just working. So, yeah, that's right. So, so it wasn't uh, effort the butcher was put, putting out to teach anything. All the butcher was doing was his job. Just his everyday job. That, that, if that's not a, a picture of attraction versus promotion and how we're to relate in recovery and how we're not to teach and do, we just show how we're doing it if we're asked. And if, if the butcher was showing the prince, trying to teach him something, that would, that's almost as if the butcher is forcing his will upon the prince. That would not be effortless. It would be happening organically. This way it was happening more right. organically. Right. Oh, that's so good. Butcher just doing his job. Thank you. I, I did not see that. It's a, it's a attraction versus promotion. Another, another example of experience in action. Yes. Thank you. Man, that's our nugget. We can stop right there. What else do we have, guys? Any other gleanings from this? I'm hungry now. I need a steak. <laughs> I'm going to go eat some Cheetos on the couch. That's where I'm heading. I've been watching Reckoning. That's a pretty good deal. I've been watching a bunch of Netflix stuff. Reckoning's not bad. Cursed is not that bad. We've been watching a bunch of different things. We watched that uh, New York uh, Mafia. They've got like three or four episodes talking about uh, uh, Giuliani taking down the, the commission. All of that back in the 80s is real good. Wow. I thought it was really good. Uh, watch that. 
been watching several good things lately. I've been watching Schitt's Creek. <laughs> Me too. What? Then you know what? The sixth season isn't going to show till October eighth. Oh man, Schitt's Creek. Creek. It's great. Is it really? Would I like it? You think? Is it a girl thing? Or no, it's not. It's comedy. It's about a very wealthy family that uh, loses all their money, and they have to live in a a town called Shit. The the dad bought the son a town called Shit to be as a joke. And then that's all they had left. <laughs> so they had to live in the motel there. And you know. it's real. It's really funny. Even ju- just listening to the dialogue. Oh yeah. Terrible. It's a good, it's a good break. That's all I've been watching right now. Just taking a break, just a laugh and yeah. turn off the news. Cause it's <laughs> and, um, just laugh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's good stuff, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Any other comments? Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to the next week. I am too. Uh, he he messaged me. He's got. I bought him a copy of the Jonathan Star book and a copy of the Wayne Dyer. Oh, so he's preparing, nice. getting ready. He's he's gotten both of them. So he's. Are we going to school him a little bit on recovery, or we're not going to bring recovery into it? He said, or, you know, he said that he went to an Al-Anon meeting once and got nothing out of it. I don't, did he mention that when no. he was here? Because we've talked about that outside. He just got going last time and, you know, just, I, I didn't want to interrupt him, but uh, he, you know, he wrote a couple of articles on recovery and, but he, uh, I like his approach to emptiness and his approach to powerlessness. And I'm very curious to see how he translates and uh, applies this first chapter of the Tao Te Ching. I think it'll be be really good. I've heard him several times now um, talk and met with him twice. And he's, um, I, I like his approach. I like his approach. All right, cool. I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully we'll get, and he was very excited. I emailed him. I said, do you really want to come back? I said, you don't have to, you know, because I mean, don't just, you know, pander to us. You know I mean? Because I, I know he's real busy. He says, no, I really want to come. I'm very excited about it. I, I want to do, and he's all, because you know, he wants to take and see the relationship between Zen and Taoism, and that because Zen came out from what he said, um, that their teachings, their Buddhist teachings came out of this. So, if That's I good. I had correct, questions about that. I don't know, Zach. I don't know. That, I, didn't, I don't know, really. I was always told that you started with... Uh, Zen, and then that ended up being Confucianism and Taoism and uh, Buddhism. But yeah, I, I guess I was just I was just curious from you know as a as a practitioner, you know, what distinctions he made between the two because I mean a lot of times for our purpose you can use the two words interchangeably. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I know that's not always the case. But the big difference I found with Zen Buddhism is that they are all about meditation. Every uh, virtue is gained through meditation. Everything starts and ends with meditation. Everything. So they right. they they that's how they approach everything. So it's kind of interesting. I'd be yeah willing to practice more meditation. That's for sure. Well, I'm adding the link in all the episode notes of, uh, to, to his training, his meditation training. 
I don't I don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't listen to the podcast. I can get you the links. I'll put the yeah, links in okay. the in the chat. I didn't want to admit that out loud, but I'm I'm here. I'm I'm talking to you guys. I don't need to listen to it again. <laughs> and also too in in the Dow meeting I'm starting to post is it okay with everyone if I post the video in the Dow meeting in the Dow Facebook any problems with that okay um so I'm posting the Dow the video from this so people can you know if they're in the Facebook group they can they can participate that way so any of these meetings I I do a a recording with Zach Marla uh some weeks which I would like 3 to weeks out of 4 so, I don't know Zach's background, though. Are you like a professor? Are you uh, dead? I'm just an idiot. <laughs> he, he's a shaman. He's a Christian shaman. Are you so you're between deadhead and and shaman? No, he's never smoked pot in his life. Can you believe it? That's true. You don't have to smoke pot to be a deadhead. No, but but when I first met him, I mean, I was like, he's just kind of mellow and laid back, and he said, "No, I, you know, he works at a music store. He's got the whole deal going." You know. Oh. So glad that you've never smoked pot. But the thing is, this uh, Zach and I both came out of fundamental Christianity. Did, we both went to the same type of churches growing up. We both started drinking later in life, and we both had to move out of a lot of fundamental ideas. And so, it really makes good conversation. I gotta say that you're that Catholic shit. Never mind. Um. Anyways, I've, I'm glad we're all here together. No, you go first. Ladies, ladies first. Oh, thanks. Um, Natalie Goldberg is, is an author I heard about or when I was in a creative writing class in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, it was an amazing class and she has a book called Writing Down the Bones and it's some, it's about journaling and and journaling prompts and it was it I for some reason connected with it and I guess it's one of her her best books but anyways I listened to her book called a long long um long quiet highway waking up in America and it's a memoir about her zen teacher Katagiri Roshi and how she was raised or grew up Jewish and um I think there was there was there was a little bit more about her childhood and growing up. And then she went on this journey um, and started spending a lot of times in these Zen centers and her transition. And it was, I read it years ago, but it's, it has stuck with me a long time, but it was a nice, um, I really like her writing style, but it was, it was, it was like being able to see inside somebody's journey into Zen centers and her happenings in the, and the real world goings ons between her and um, Katagiri Roshi. So if you're, if it's on your radar, Natalie Goldberg, um, writing down the bones, it's, she teaches um, workshops about writing and journaling, but it was also a nice way for me to get introduced to that path in a way that I could relate to a, a woman going through this. It was really cool. So um, it, it's, you know, how sometimes it get really made me excited whenever we had Sensei in because I, and you know, it's like, oh, I've seen a movie about that. I kind of know a little bit, you know, it was, well, that's how I was with the book, but it, it does give you at least something to go on. So it doesn't seem so overwhelming, but I really liked her, um, 
her writing style. So if anyone's interested. Good. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Tina. Thank you. Craig? Yeah, I was just going to ask, are we, um, are we going to post a link for people to join the meeting as well on the Facebook page? Yes. Yeah. If that's, if that's good with everyone. Yeah. yeah, and I think I might just let uh, Todd and Dr. Totten know that we're continuing on with this. And cool. maybe they, they, they do a podcast like every blue moon, but still, they could put it on their website or something. Yeah, let them know. Let Todd and Dr. Totten know. Uh, that'd be great. I still enjoy their podcast when it comes out. One just came out. Haven't listened to it yet, but few and far between, but so what? Yeah, it's good stuff. It is really good stuff. Anything, any other resources you guys are using that we haven't mentioned lately that might be good for folks? Uh, that was the Dow of, uh, what is that? The uh, What is this Dow all about? Yeah. Yeah. That's that Dow podcast. What are yeah. any other resources? Because folks are still sequestered you know, around the country and a lot of folks don't have meetings. So anything else? I'm reading a lot of, um, I'm reading a lot of Robin Sharma at the moment. He's, he's, he's quite good. I don't know. I, I'm not sure about what his background, but a lot of it's uh, a lot of what he's teaching. A lot of his coaching courses is, is about focusing on what's, what's inside and, um, you know, Letting go of the materialism and you know, the external the external validation, and just really concentrating on what you actually have and appreciating what you have and loving what you have as well. Yeah, he's the Ferrari. What is yeah. what was yeah, the name Monk, of that? Monk who's his Ferrari. Um, the Saint, the Surfer, and the CEO. Um, the Five AM Club. I've just done that as well. I've actually accountability partner in South Africa, so we text each other at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, Danny over in South Africa. Oh, okay, good. He's I remember good. Danny. Yeah, yeah, he, hello. yeah, Danny's just celebrated uh, 30 days. So, Good. Um, I'll, I'll tell him you're asking for him. So, yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's, it's just it's just things like that, it's just just changing up your routine, adding things in, taking things out that don't work as well for you and not being afraid of things that aren't working. If things aren't working, then it's not necessarily not working because it's you. It may just be working because it not be working because you've evolved and you've grown out of it and you're needing something else that's going to challenge you. That's the sort of thing that Robin Sharma goes down. And I'm really enjoying his stuff because um, the mastermind group that we were in is, 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 is no longer running. So I'm just kind of filling up that space with, uh, with, with that sort of thing. It's really, really good. It's, uh, it's easy going. It's easy to follow. Um, but it's, it's inspirational and just the good. spiritual value that comes out of it as well is fantastic. It's kind of, if anybody's wondering about his books, it's kind of like the, um, is it Paolo Coelho's um, The Alchemist? The Alchemist, yeah. yeah. So Robin Sharma kind of writes books. He, he writes the books as stories to keep you engaged rather than just like a, your average self-help book. Um, so it's, it's easy to follow. And it's, it really I'll, I'll look in my Audible right quick and see what books I have in my library that I could uh, share with you guys especially online, see if there's any any that might resonate. Uh, hey, I'm listening to Russell Brand's book on recovery, and it is incredible. What, you're, go ahead, Mark. He's totally black and white. He's black and white about it. You're fucked. Oh, it's very yeah, good. I love it. It's, I love it, too. It's on my, I have two. two the, the Craig, why are you saying that? He does YouTube. <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> Why am I shaking my head? Oh man, sure, no. I, th- I think I think you guys over there appreciate it more. But <laughs> over here is just, 
in, in my opinion. Yeah. Just Russell Brand's got a, 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 a reputation, I know. You gotta like him, you know, you, you know, or yeah. not. Yeah, it's not, it's an either or, you know, it's not a kind of. No. Uh, the essential dogen, uh, D-O-G-E-N, and dogen is the 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 father of Zen, I think, in the in the in the lineage and everything that uh, Sensei talks about. Um, the three pillars of Zen is another one of mine. Um, Flo, and I can't pronounce this guy's name. Uh, Mahila, C-S-I-K-S-Z-E-N-T-M-I-H-A-L-Y-A. Is that a periodic table? He studied flow. <laughs> I feel bad for his teachers. <laughs> he could never pronounce or spell it. I'm sure he's long gone now, but he, uh, <laughs> he it's really good. It's about they studied how people get in the flow of um, their job and, and what brought happiness and all those things. It's very good. It's a study of that from a, from a purely uh, uh, scientific point. Cool. Uh, one breath, three steps, uh, Kevin Griffin. Um, no, he wrote the Buddhist 12 step Buddhist. That's right? very good. That's all Buddhist his his journey into Buddhism. Yeah. Uh, do you know who Darren Littlejohn is? He also did the 12-step Buddhist. I don't know him. I like to return to love by Marion Williamson. The Alchemist, The Way of Chonsa, which we're talking about now, the Bhava Gita, Bhava Bhagavad Gita, what yeah. Bhagavad. Yeah. Whatever that is, y'all know. It's not your money, Tasha Silvers. <laughs> The universe has your back, Gabriel Bernstein. One more, the spirituality of the two halves of life, by Richard Rohr and Paul That's a good book. He's good. Yeah, that's good, good too. That's my last one. So, y'all have anything to add? Thank you for the spirituality of imperfection. I'm sorry. The spirituality of imperfection. That's a good one. Tip of my tongue. The author's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. They can great. find it from that. Guys, yeah. I want y'all to have a great week, and we will see you next week. Come prepared for Sensei. See ya. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use, and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.